It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is presented by BetOnline.ag. Because they're your online sportsbook experts, and with the promo code PODCAST1, you receive a 100% sign-up bonus. He is Joe Dolan, and we've got some news we're going to discuss momentarily. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, because we all love Joe Dolan. He's got awesome tweets. He's got awesome insights. And you can follow him at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, now five podcasts over the course of seven days. Kind of. I didn't even check the math to see if that's right or not. At Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Love, love, love. When you guys spread the word via social media by retweeting me or Joe or Brian at RTF Podcast. He's usually the first one to actually post the shows. Any of that, retweets, likes on Facebook or Instagram, it really does go a long way, and it's much appreciated. So please keep doing it. It is our first post-draft fantasy feast, and we are going to dive into the quarterbacks, whether it's Dynasty, 2 quarterback leagues, best ball. We're going to give you the rookie quarterback thoughts as well as some veteran quarterback thoughts, which I think are important as well. I will mention quickly, Mother's Day, two ideas for you guys. If you want to get your mom the coolest, most unique gift ever, go to myfrontpagestory.com and have a story written about her. It's very, very cool. Or... If you want to be a little more traditional, 1-800-Flowers.com and use the code FOOTBALL after you click on the radio icon in the upper right-hand corner. I've got 12 press passes left, I believe, that I will be giving out. So the first 12 people that take advantage of one of the – that go to 1-800-Flowers.com and use code FOOTBALL and email it to me, ross at rosstucker.com, they – We'll get one of the remaining press passes I have from this past season. So 100flowers.com, radio icon, code football, or head on over to myfrontpagestory.com for a truly unique gift. All right, Joe. Well, let's start with the big news. I think you announced it shortly after last week's Fantasy Feast podcast that we recorded on Tuesday because we wanted to record a couple days ahead of the draft Before we dive into some of this quarterback conversation, you've got some major, major news as it relates to your future. Well, yeah, Ross. So um, it's been in the works for for quite some time here. Um, And um, I've been working with uh, what I believe to be the best team in all of fantasy football, um, building a, a brand new website, and we we are calling it FantasyPoints.com. You see Ross there. There's a double entendre there because we're, we're, we'll help you score fantasy points while we make 
points about fantasy. You see that? You see how that works? Yes. Uh, but fa- fantasypoints.com um, is is the website, and it's just a phenomenal team. You all probably know John Hansen, who's an industry pioneer. Uh, he's kind of heading up the project, but it, it'll be me, um, my 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 good friend uh, and coworker Tom Brawley, who I did the Fantasy Free Agents podcast with last year. He's there. Graham Barfield, um, erstwhile of uh, NFL.com, and Scott Barrett, formerly a Pro Football Focus, are there. We have IDP content. We have Greg Cosell's draft guide. Uh, up on the website. Uh, so obviously listeners to the podcast are familiar with Greg and his work. So we have all that stuff. Adam Kaplan, ESPN insider. We have Dr. Edwin Porras providing injury in- in information. So it's really what I think to be the best team in all of fantasy football. And, you know, there's, I, I don't want to say there's a battle, um, between, you know, analytics and tape, um, uh, some might perceive it that way, but we wanted to make sure we provide both of those perspectives on fantasypoints.com, obviously with Greg Cosell and his analysis coming to the site, um, Scott Barrett and Grant Barfield do such an amazing job kind of melding both of those things. And, you know, I'm kind of along for the ride. So I'm, I'm thrilled to announce that you can find all of my written work in the Occasionally some podcasting and live streams up at fantasypoints.com. Um, and even more so than that, I'm announcing that for listeners of the Fantasy Feast podcast, you can go to fantasypoints.com if you do not have an account already. Sign up for an account, and there's going to be an option to input a coupon code, and that code is FEAST. All capital letters, capital F, capital E, capital A, capital S, capital T, all capital letters. Now, it is currently free to sign up for an account for fantasypoints.com. We thought because of the COVID pandemic, um, we we would decide we, we wanted to launch for free, give people something to read, give people something to enjoy around the NFL draft time. So we decided to launch completely for free. However, um, when it becomes evident, and I'm confident Uh, I I don't know what the NFL season will look like. I don't think anybody does, but I'm confident there will be a season, um, whether it's whether it's unchanged, whether it's altered in some way, whatever the case, when it becomes evident that that's going to happen, we are going to flip a switch um, and it will become a, a subscription only site. So if you put in that code feast right now, all capital letters uh, by when we offer uh, paid subscriptions, and we'll actually offer them before you require them, but you'll get a super discounted rate if you subscribe before we actually require it. And on top of that discounted rate, you'll get an extra discount simply by inputting that feast code. So when you go paid, if you use that code, whether you use it now or whether you use it in a couple weeks when we're actually taking payments, if you use that code, you'll get an extra discount to sign up to fantasypoints.com. So we just wanted to make sure the site was accessible and affordable to everybody, knowing the tough time that people are going through. But we think it's the best website in fantasy uh, football, and there's more, more, more to come. Um, I'm just, I'm just really excited about it. Well, you should be because the team you've got is absolutely amazing. I love them, all of them. John Hansen, Graham Barfield. And by the way, we are going to have a lot of them on the show in the coming months. So some days it'll be with Joe. Some days it'll be just one of his teammates over at FantasyPoints.com. 
Uh, Joe wrote an open letter when he moved on to fantasypoints.com. Highly encourage you all to read it. It was incredible. Very proud to have Joe as my co-host here at FG underscore Dolan again on Twitter. And the key thing is when you go to fantasypoints.com and sign up in the box that says promo code, make sure you put in FEAST, all caps, so that when there is the upcharge for premium that you get the discount. But you got you can put it in now, even though it's free because of the pandemic, but put it in so that you don't forget later and so that you know when you do start to subscribe, you get that discount. In the promo code box, all caps, FEAST. Awesome. Speaking of awesome, Joe, we had, by the way, one last time, fantasypoints.com before I forget. We had the draft, and there's a lot to talk about about the draft. And I was saying earlier, I want to get your thoughts. I know a lot of times rookie quarterbacks, like the season-long people might be thinking, ah, rookie quarterbacks aren't really that relevant, or even some of these veteran quarterbacks that were affected. But I feel like more and more people, Joe, play best ball. More and more people play dynasty. More and more people play two quarterback leagues. I mean, Talking about all of the quarterbacks is important, I feel like. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I was talking to some guys uh, from the NFFC, which is a, uh, which is a high-stakes kind of a website. A lot of high-stakes players play there, and, and um, they have some best ball content as well. Uh, I was talking to Greg Ambrosius and Tom Kessenick on, on SiriusXM uh, last night, and they were talking about how Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick, has moved up, quote-unquote, to QB 19 in ADP. And they said, do I like him as a QB 2? And I said, Ross, uh, Ross, I said, I kind of think he could be a QB 1 this year. Like, I, I don't think it's that outrageous. Now, uh, I have to point out, right before we started recording the pod, the Bengals released Andy Dalton. So Joe Burrow is going to be the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think everybody knew that anyway. But now it's just 100% confirmed. And you do need to know these guys. But let's start it with Joe Burrow because we know – we of the rookie quarterbacks, the four first-rounders – He's the one who we know 100% barring injury is going to play week one. And um, look, the offensive line's a question, but they do get 2019 first rounder Jonah Williams back. A.J. Green on the outside. Tyler Boyd in the slot. T. Higgins they drafted in the second round. You got Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard coming out of the backfield. Uh, John Ross is still there as the uh, as either the third or the fourth wide receiver, depending on what happens with T. Higgins. Auden Tate is still there. He's a big body in the red zone. This is a team in Cincinnati that led in 12 of its 16 games last year and won only two of them. So that would just be a simple, crude way to say this team probably was a little bit better than their record last year. And I think they are a team that can really come in and turn it around quickly. So I see Cincinnati with Joe Burrow as quarterback, a team that can score some points here. Um, so Joe Burrow, I would not be shocked if he puts up fringy top 12 quarterback numbers. If you're playing best ball or if you're in a deeper league where you like to carry a backup quarterback, I would love to pair him with kind of a post-hype veteran in the vein of a Baker Mayfield for fantasy, because I think you'll get really good fantasy production out of that. So if you're in best ball, maybe even a two quarterback league, I love him as a second quarterback because barring injury, he's playing a full season. I like it. What about 
in Miami with Tua Tungo Vailoa. Well, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Anthony, uh, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Brian Flores, the coach here, he said when talking about Tua that I, I guess their doctors haven't fully seen him yet. So that's fascinating because because of the pandemic, you know, they haven't seen Tua. The, the, their doctor, doctors haven't put him through tests. And what do they have here uh, in Miami? They do have Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think Tua is less likely to start the season than Ryan Fitzpa- uh, than, uh, than Joe Burrow is. So keep that in mind. And here's the other problem. I'm not 100% certain the supporting cast in Miami is all that great. This was kind of a meat and potatoes draft for them. They got the quarterback, and then they started drafting players along the offensive line and on defense. Now, they took... They took um, the tackle in the first round out of USC. They took the guard in the second round. So they have got guys who are going to come in and probably compete for starting jobs right away. But the problem is, if Tua plays week one, well, you got Devontae Parker, who obviously had the great 2019, got himself a contract extension, but there still is that feeling that creeps into the back of your mind that, hmm. He performed in a contract year and hasn't performed otherwise. That's a little bit concerning. Uh, T- Preston Williams was an intriguing 2019 rookie, the UDFA. He actually led rookies in receptions when he got hurt, but he tore his ACL last year. Mike Kosicki came on at the end of the year, the tight end, but he was a little bit inconsistent. And then you have Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant. It's not a great supporting cast for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. So my concern here is even if Tua plays, there isn't enough around him to support a high-end fantasy producer here. He's more of the mid-to-low-end QB2 for me, even if you were to guarantee me that he starts week one. What about Herbert in L.A.? Well— They're another team that, like the Dolphins, have an opportunity to start a veteran if they don't think Justin Herbert is ready, and that would be Tyrod Taylor. Um, The thing about Herbert, though, is if Herbert were to start week one, even though I have him behind Tua for Dynasty because I just think Tua is a better, safer prospect – even though I have him behind Tua for Dynasty, I would actually rank Herbert above Tua for this year simply because he's got some mobility and he's got much better weapons with the Chargers than Tua has in Miami. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, all those guys are there. They drafted a couple of wide receivers, including K.J. Hill, somebody I think people thought was going to go a lot earlier in the draft. He went in the seventh round. He's kind of a Keenan Allen after taxes type of guy. They drafted him. Uh, they brought in Joshua Kelly in the run game, even though I don't think he's going to be uh, a pass catcher, but they have a solid run game there with uh, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Joshua Kelly. Uh, they drafted Joe Reed, um, the speedster out of Virginia in the fifth round. So they've got more weapons there. Uh, than Tua has in Miami, and Justin Herbert, I think, is more mobile than Tua. So if he were to start week one, I actually think there's a chance he can be that uh, that quote-unquote Konami code quarterback, where he goes up and he goes down, he goes left, he goes right, but ultimately he can produce good high upside numbers. Uh, I think on this very podcast, or at least Ross on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Greg Cosell compared Justin Herbert as a prospect to Josh Allen. Many ways he's reminiscent. I don't think he's I don't think he's as athletic as Josh Allen. I don't think he can run the way Josh Allen can. But if you kind of get that image into your head of what Justin Herbert can provide to your fantasy team, you'll see why for the immediate future, if all things were equal and both guys were starting week one, I'd take Justin Herbert on my fantasy team over Tua. 
Wow, I can see that too, especially the running part of it. I'm mm-hmm. with you on that, Joe. Uh, totally with you on that. I mean, I'm not even going to say it. Should I even say it? Jalen Hurts, say it. Is, is there is there even a thing there? I mean, is it even a thing? Well, Jalen Hurts is, for 2020, um, I would rank him above Jordan Love only because I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a role. And see, I've read two really good pieces on the Jalen Hurts pick. And they made the same points, and one guy loved the pick, and another guy didn't like the pick. And those picks, and those articles were from Kevin Cole at Pro Football Focus and Shiel Kapadia from The Athletic, both of whom are very good at their jobs. And Kevin Cole essentially said, "Look, and and both guys were measured, um, and, and neither guy was like, oh my God, this is a referendum on Carson Wentz.' And but both guys acknowledged the Eagles place a premium." On the backup quarterback position, for obvious reasons, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. And both guys acknowledge that Jalen Hurts gives the Eagles upside at that position that very few teams have. And I thought it was fascinating that they both kind of approached it from the same angle but came up with different conclusions. Shield Kapadia's conclusion was kind of the human angle of the story. How does Carson Wentz feel about this? Carson Wentz had to go through a situation last year where somebody was leaking out of the locker room. Oh, I wish we had Nick Foles or something like that. And they, they didn't trust Carson's leadership. And uh, Kevin Cole, on the other hand, he argued that, look, the Eagles are just trying to set themselves up to win. And I guess and both guys acknowledge the best possible outcome here is Carson Wentz stays healthy. He ret- he resumes his 2017 form, which I think you would agree, Ross, at the end of 2019, despite his lack of weapons, Carson Wentz was getting back to that. He dragged a corpse of an Eagles roster to the playoffs. And I think both guys came to the same conclusion that the best possible outcome for the Eagles is Carson Wentz stays healthy, makes this Jalen Hurts pick from a quarterback perspective completely irrelevant. But I I think the, the idea for the Eagles here is let's increase our margin for error at the position. And there's no doubt that Carson Wentz's injury history played into this. Now, I think you can make the argument that, all right, so if you're worried about Carson Wentz's injury history, why do you give the guy nine figures guaranteed last summer and then decide you're going to draft a second-round quarterback after he got taken out by a cheap shot in a playoff game after playing a full season? I think that's fair, but I also think this, this – I don't think this was simply the Eagles saying – hey, look, Carson suffered a concussion in the playoff game. We've really got to invest in the quarterback position. I just happened to think this was a player that they really liked, probably thought he was better than uh, the position he was drafted at. I my venture, I would venture to guess they probably had a first-round grade on him, um, even though they didn't take him in the first round. That would be my, my guess. And they view Jalen Hurts as somebody who – If they want him to contribute right away and Carson Wentz is playing a high level of football and he's staying healthy, Jalen Hurts can do some of that Taysom Hill stuff. But I don't simply think you draft Taysom Hill in the second round. Um, I I just don't think you do that. I think the Eagles view that as part of what Jalen Hurts is. And then they view him as a really flashy, uh, really controversial insurance policy, to be quite frank. But from a fantasy perspective, If they use him as a Taysom Hill, I mean, let's be honest, it sucks for fantasy. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to play in uh, to Jalen Hurts' role, but he's a great runner, a great – he's a bowling ball in short yardage. 
That could mean Miles Sanders loses touchdowns at the goal line. Carson Wentz loses touchdown throw opportunities at the goal line, which would mean Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager lose touchdown opportunities at the goal line. And, you know, maybe Ertz loses targets if they use Hertz out at wide receiver or coming out of the flat. So there are a million different angles that you can approach this Jalen Hurts pick. Um, and, and maybe if Carson Wentz gets hurt, Ross, they have a quarterback on a cheap contract and they can consider trading Carson Wentz. That is a long way down the line. I think Jalen Hurts is still a project. Heck, I don't even know if he's going to be their top backup. Um, they re-signed Nate Sudfeld. And remember, Taysom Hill in, in New Orleans was not the top backup to Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater was last year. I would presume Jameis Winston is going to be the top backup to Drew Brees this year. So you look at it from all these potential angles. Maybe Hurts is the Eagles' third quarterback, and they have him in, in, a, in a Hill-style role. But there's no doubt, I don't think the Eagles take a second-round quarterback simply to say, he's Taysom Hill, he's going to play 15 snaps a game, and that's what it's going to be. They want to develop him as a quarterback. If Carson Wentz makes that development irrelevant, then that's a great outcome for the Eagles. They can trade Jalen Hurts. If Carson Wentz's injury history, for whatever reason, means Jalen Hurts has to play and he plays well, that's a great outcome for the Eagles. The worst possible outcome for the Eagles here is Carson Wentz gets hurt and Jalen Hurts comes in and stinks up the joint. That's the worst possible outcome, but the Eagles think this increased their margin for error at the quarterback position. Um, you can, Reasonable people can disagree on whether that was a good pick. I just told you. Kevin Cole at Pro Football Focus, Shield Kapati at The Athletic. I encourage people to read both pieces. Um, follow the, those guys on Twitter. Search them out. Um, they they approached it from similar angles and came to different conclusions. Reasonable people can disagree on this pick. I have I've fought myself on this pick over the last week, but I thought it, it, it. There's no doubt it's arguably the most fascinating pick in the entire draft. So let's get into some veteran quarterbacks, Joe, that you think were significantly affected either positively or negatively by the draft. Certainly a couple guys come to mind. You just talked about one of them in Carson Wentz. What about Aaron Rodgers? Did he get a quarterback, not a receiver in the first round? Then they get A.J. Dillon, a bruiser of a running back from Boston College in the second round. Your thoughts on the fantasy prospects for Wentz and Rodgers post-draft and if they've changed? Well, let's start with Wentz really quick because I just spent about 45 minutes breaking down uh, the, uh, the, the Jalen Hurts move. The thing that you have to acknowledge with Carson Wentz, though, is with the exception of Jalen Hurts, which is obviously the big shocking pick, the Eagles actually supported him pretty well during this draft. They, they got Jalen Rager, who I don't know if you've watched him on film, Ross. The more I watch this guy, the more I think he's got a shot to be a star. I mean, he's just explosive. So they needed that speed. They get Jalen Rager. They draft uh, They draft John Hightower in the fifth round, Quez Watkins in the sixth round. I don't think either guy's guaranteed to make the team, but both guys can fly at the wide receiver position. And they trade for Marquise Goodwin. So, okay, the Eagles did draft Jalen Hurts, but they also got four speedy wide receivers to add to Carson Wentz's arsenal. So I think ultimately that helps Wentz because that also helps open things up underneath for Ertz and Goddard and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. So that helped out Wentz uh, in, in that regard. For Aaron Rodgers, I mean, 
I understand the Jordan Love pick. But if I were Rodgers, I'd feel like setting fire to my locker right now. I, I, I mean, so they draft Jordan Love to be Rodgers' successor. This was a team that needed wide receivers last year. They got nothing out of Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Equinemius St. Brown. Um, Alan Lazard, uh, who was an undrafted guy, came in and was essentially their second most reliable wide receiver. Jake Kumaro is just a guy. So it was Devontae Adams, really, and a bunch of guys. And 36 wide receivers were drafted, and the Packers didn't draft a single one. Now, I, I think drafting Jordan Love, drafting a bruising running back in A.J. Dillon, by the way, running back arguably the strongest position for the for the Green Bay Packers last year with Aaron, with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they draft another one. Um, and then they draft a guy in Josiah DeGuara, the tight end from Cincinnati in the third round, and they basically admitted, Matt LaFour came out and admitted, hey, we're using this guy in, in the Kyle Juszczyk role. So their first three picks were... To, uh, look at this from Aaron Rodgers' perspective. A backup quarterback, a third running back at a position we didn't need, and a fullback. Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback, and your first three picks are a backup quarterback, a third running back, and a fullback. What does that tell Aaron Rodgers? Um, I, I think it sends quite a signal to him. And and I understand. I'm not, I don't I don't hold Rodgers blameless here. His play has slipped. He doesn't play within structure very well anymore. Um, but he does not have a whole lot to throw to. He is a massive downgrade at the quarterback position from this draft because I mean they just add, their their only real wide receiver add of any significance was Devin Funches, who barely played last year. So. Um, Aaron Rodgers, this was this was a referendum on him. I truly believe it, and he is not going to be happy. And Packer fans certainly aren't happy right now. What about some of the other guys that should have benefited from it? Dak Prescott getting oh, yeah. Ceedee Lamb, Philip Rivers. Do you look at the positive of him getting Michael Pittman, or the negative of them drafting Jonathan Taylor? Well, I think for Philip Rivers, let's start with Prescott only because, I mean, he's an obvious upgrade. I think you can rank him as high as quarterback three right now. Probably a player they didn't need uh, in C.D. Lamb, but just a good player who I think can come in and play the slot right away um, in uh, in Dallas. So that's an obvious upgrade for Dak Prescott. When it comes to Philip Rivers, I am going to upgrade him. And Here's the reason. Yes, they drafted Jonathan Taylor, but I think at this point in Philip Rivers' career, he needs a sustaining run game. Jonathan Taylor is going to give them that. And then Michael Pittman was one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft. They got him with the second pick uh, of the second round, and I think he's going to go in there, and he is going to play right away, whether it's at the X, whether it's at the Z. They can put him in the slot. Um, I think he's a smart player. He's big. He's physical. I, I I think he's got an outside shot to lead rookie wide receivers in catches. And Phillip Rivers needed that because really heading into this draft, the only sure thing, if you want to call him that because of all the injuries he had last year, was T.Y. Hilton in this receiving core. So Phillip Rivers getting Michael Pittman behind that offensive line and getting a sustaining run game, I think that's an upgrade for Phillip Rivers, even though I still I still consider him a QB2 for fantasy. And how big of a deal was it for Dak to get CeeDee Lamb? It was a pretty big deal. Um, now, the one thing I was surprised about, a lot of people were like, well, for fantasy, this kind of stinks because, you know, they already have Cooper and Gallup. 
Believe it or not, Jason Witten and Randall Cobb are vacating 166 targets from this offense. So I think there's a chance for Lamb to get, say, 90 targets, uh, Blake Jarwin to get 60 more, and then maybe Cooper and Gallup get a couple more apiece. Um, so there is a chance that they distribute those targets evenly. It could be a headache at the wide receiver position, but for Dak Prescott, he's the obvious beneficiary. Like I said, I think that you can make the argument for him over Kyler Murray at QB3 at this point. Uh, other guys who benefited, Tom Brady benefited. And, you know, obviously Rob Gronkowski comes back, but that wasn't a draft move. But they managed to get Tristan Wirfs in the uh, in the first round of the draft. That was the one thing I think they really lacked, uh, getting an offensive lineman. So Tristan Wirfs was, uh, was fascinating. Whether they play him at guard or tackle, he's going to help protect Tom Brady. They drafted two running backs, Keyshawn Vaughn and Raymond Calais. Um, so he's going to have opportunity to throw to guys in the backfield. And then um, the analytics guys on Twitter, draft Twitter guys, Love the selection of Tyler Johnson in the fifth round who can immediately come in there and play the slot for Tom Brady. So he was a beneficiary on draft day. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, I think, was a beneficiary, although I'm not sure how I feel about Chase Claypool. How about the fact that Pittsburgh didn't draft quarterback? I, and I, I'm actually kind of stunned by that, Ross, given all the problems they had last year with neither Mason Rudolph nor Duck Hodges playing very well. But were you a little surprised Pittsburgh didn't draft quarterback? Uh, no, because I thought that they would try to get a veteran, and I still think that they will. I feel like their young guys are Duck and, and Mason Rudolph, but I think they tried to get Winston. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get Flacco. I think they want to have a guy that's that they think is better than those guys. Yeah, I thought Winston would have been a phenomenal fit there. Uh, obviously, he's going to the Saints, but uh, Flacco, Andy Dalton just got released, so maybe they go to him. But Roethlisberger gets a second-round wide receiver in Chase Claypool, um, gets a scat back in the fourth round in Anthony McFarland, so he's somebody who benefited. But, um, oh, one more, uh, Drew Locke. I'm not really sure how I feel about him, but I think the Broncos took a really good approach here. As opposed to John Elway going out and getting another Case Keenum, uh, another Joe Flacco type of Band-Aid quarterback, he's going to surround a promising, though unproven, young quarterback with a great receiving core. Um, they added Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Alberto Okuwe Bunam. So you get three guys in the first four rounds that can directly help Drew Locke. Uh, that adds to Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. Um, that's a really good group around Drew Locke. So he's an intriguing QB too. And I think one of the sneakiest winners of the entire draft is somebody I mentioned earlier in the podcast because he had a bad season last year and everybody's making fun of him. Um, and that's Baker Mayfield. And the Browns went out under new GM, Andrew Barry. They made a big signing in, in, in free agency, getting Jack Conklin uh, at, at right tackle in addition to Austin Hooper at tight end. And then they made, arguably, my favorite pick of the entire draft, staying put at number 10 in the draft and taking Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. Just a big, nasty offensive lineman who's immediately going to play left tackle. They have rebuilt that offensive line in one offseason. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to come in here. He's going to run his 12th personnel. They have David Njoku, who I think is on the outs there, but they signed Hooper. They drafted Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic in the fourth round. And they, they added a flyer in Donovan Peoples-Jones, the wide receiver from Michigan, in the sixth round. But ultimately, I think the offensive line is the big 
factor for Baker Mayfield, and I think that makes him a sneaky winner for this draft. And honestly, I'm going to be in on Baker Mayfield again. I ranked him way too high last year. It burned me, but he's going to be going rounds later this year, and I am in on Baker Mayfield yet again. I'm willing to bet on a bounce back with the new coach and the improved offensive line in front of him. Man, that information was so good. Almost as good as bet online, where you can still bet on things. If you listen to the Even Money podcast yesterday, Steve Fezzik and I both agreed on the Buffalo Bills and their season win total and disagreed on the Chargers. We were looking at the bet online season win totals. That's where you go to place these bets, betonline.ag. Using the promo code PODCAST1 so you get the 100% welcome bonus. You can also bet on like politics and reality shows over there. And, of course, if you're just hankering for something, you're bored, something, they got all kinds of poker and blackjack and whatever. Just make sure you use the promo code PODCAST1 so that you get your bonus. And you can use the promo code FEAST. At FantasyPoints.com. I love it, Joe, and I am stuffed. We are done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.